It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on drmarakarpell.com and on blogtalkradio.com every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And today is Sunday, September the 15th, and we're back from our trip to L.A. with renewed enthusiasm about this show, and we're now back in our downtown Austin studio for the first time in a long time, and Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us as usual to make the show run smoothly, and in a little while after the break, we'll be joined right here in the studio by Joe Schaefer, owner of Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi, to discuss the inner and outer benefits of Tai Chi at any age, and especially as we grow older. And then later in the program, we'll be joined on the phone by Austin artist Teresa Taylor-Bear to discuss her life in the fine arts and where you can see her beautiful artwork. And along the way, I'll be giving another sneak peek into my book, The Passionate Life, with a discussion about creation, compassion, and living the passionate life. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, drmarakarpel.com, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight along with all of the website links that are given by my guests on the program. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And for information from this show and from previous programs, to listen to the podcasts of all of our programs that have been um, have been broadcast here on Blog Talk Radio in the last five and a half years, you can go to my website, drmarakarpel.com, and you can also go directly to blogtalkradio.com slash yourgoldenyears. And for information about upcoming shows, for events that are coming up, information about my book events, any talks that I give, any blogs that I post, any of that, one-stop shop, go to Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, and you'll find out all the information about anything new and anything that has already been posted on my Facebook page will be on my website, drmarakarpell.com. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City practicing here in Austin, Texas, 
and occasionally in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have had a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers and for the past few years have also been evaluating veterans for PTSD and other service-connected mental health conditions. And if you want to contact me for any reason, if you have a question or a comment or something that you want me to know about, you can actually call me. And my phone number is 512-626-6973, or feel free to send me an email to drmaracorp, to Mara at com, or go through my website and click on the contact link. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909 or send him an email to rdevere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse. StoryHouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have StoryHouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or a family reunion. StoryHouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play a few of our sponsors' commercials, but it's going to be very brief, so don't go anywhere because after we come back from the break, I'll be joined right here, right next to me in the studio, will be Joe Schaefer, owner of Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi, to discuss the inner and outer benefits of Tai Chi at any age. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com.
And I'm here in the studio with Dr. Joe Schaefer, owner of Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi. Welcome. Hi, Dr. Mara. Hi, Dr. Joe. Thanks for joining me here. Oh, you're welcome. And especially coming down to the studio. Thank you for taking the time. So I'm really interested in talking to you about what you do at Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi, because I know you have classes for all ages, including seniors, Mm -hmm. and you have a very interesting background. And so let's start with that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the school? So um, I moved to Austin in 1991 to pursue my graduate degree in uh, neuroscience. So I got my doctorate in 1997 here at UT, and my wife got her master's degree in physiology, and we were slated to go into the world of academics and research, and we decided we had started our martial arts school also back in the 80s even, and we had quite a large following by the time we graduated. So we had about 200 students at our school, and we decided between science and between the school that we felt we had a greater impact on the world uh, and would be able to stay in Austin together raise a family here if we didn't go into academics and instead (laughs) taught martial arts, Uh taught Tai Chi, taught Kung Fu. So that's how we ended up. It's kind of a circuitous way. We ended up uh, doing that even though we were going to be scientists. So, Right. And how long have you had the school now? Uh, We started our first, had our first students starting in 1987. Wow. Okay. So it's been quite a while. And we didn't always offer any kind of a senior program. So I love when I got, uh, some, you know, request about coming to the show that this is very new for us, too, that we've been teaching seniors only for the past probably three or four years. Okay. Seniors specifically in a program. And it's actually it's one of my absolute favorite programs now that I teach. Okay. So tell us what is special about the senior program that we have. Well, as, as a student base in the school, they're, they're very sure about why they're there, too. I love that. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what it do, does for them the health benefits it provides, the mental benefits. Um, they're looking for gains in areas of their life, like confidence in physical movement, mm-hmm. balance. Uh, they love the community, and they, they, they know they're getting it there, and they come every week very consistently. They don't miss classes, uh, and they, they see all those benefits, and they stay. And so there's nothing more rewarding than seeing somebody actually get what they wanted to get from something. Sure. And this is mainly Tai Chi? Yeah, just Tai Chi. So yeah. Just the Tai Chi. Yeah. So what are some of the benefits for seniors or for the rest of us who are looking to grow older more healthfully? Interesting. Probably 75% of all the inquiries we get now about any class is Tai Chi. Okay. So it's really uh, in the zeitgeist. It's, you know, it's the public mindset. Tai Chi is up and coming. Mm-hmm. So young people in their 20s are asking about Tai Chi. It always surprises me. Right. Because it's slow moving and it's just mindfulness exercises, right? So, uh, but th- there has been so many studies on Tai Chi now. And almost nothing, everything they look for, if, if Tai Chi might be a benefit for whatever it is, they seem to find that it is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just read a study that said it was like 150 minutes of Tai Chi practice a week was what the study was. Uh, and they compared it to brisk walking mm-hmm. in seniors. And everything they looked at, Tai Chi had a statistical significant increase in that parameter. Brisk walking did not. So it was everything from even BMI. They even lost weight doing Tai Chi 
that they didn't lose walking. Wow, that's uh, Blood pressure went down. Bone bone density went up. Uh, something called HRV. I don't know if you heart rate variability, which measures your kind of stress level. Mm-hmm. That improved. Um, just a whole list of things. So, of course, things like balance uh, and movement capability. Right. So, right. Flexibility. Flexibility, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and and they're really studying now how it prevents cognitive decline. Yeah. How does it do that? I mean, you're well, a neuroscientist, so. <laughs> I've got my own kind of theories about okay. it. But I don't know if you ever had read a book or heard of a, something called Aging with Grace. It was a, a book. He was from the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It, it's called The Nun Study, kind of in a popular literature. But he studied a bunch of that's nuns in, in Mankato. I forget what state that's in, but okay. Minnesota maybe. And uh, they, at the at the end of their lives, these nuns had all donated their brains to science. Mm-hmm. And so they had their entire life of all their diaries, all the history of their life in their brain. And they found after all that, and there's a great book on it. It's called Aging with Grace. And they yeah, found that, 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 that the most correlated thing was optimism mm-hmm. led to the lo- to longevity, and um, their uh, their language capabilities, how sophisticated their language was, how much they were into education, mm-hmm. and they challenged their mind. Actually, cognitive decline was way down with that, and dementia. All those things were reduced when they had a more sophisticated um, dialogue, even with themselves. Right. So, uh, and so the the mother superior in that in that convent had everybody do crossword puzzles all the time, turns out. Uh-huh. And, and so that, everybody started doing crosswords. Remember when that became a right. thing? Right, that it became came, a thing. came out of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that came from that study. So I think that Tai Chi is a physical crossword puzzle. Okay. You're not just going along with somebody. You have to learn it. And it has a bilateral movement, so both sides of your body moving in unison, mm-hmm. and you're having to coordinate both hemispheres of your brain. And you're, you're lighting up all those pathways in your mind, Right. That have gone into decline. Right. And you're rebooting that whole system up again. So I, I believe that's the main way okay. is through use. Yeah. Use it or lose it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I'm thinking about that right now. Yeah, so <laughs> you have to, with Tai Chi, you would have to remember, mm-hmm. right? You have to memorize the, it's almost yes. a choreographed movement, right? Correct. Everything. It's an exact sequence of movements. Right. And it's complicated. Yes. So there's that aspect, right? Mm-hmm. But then I have also learned that um, keeping ourselves cognitively useful uh, takes more than just doing crossword puzzles. Actually, related to moving our body. And Absolutely. So what you're saying is not just moving our body, but actually doing the bilateral yeah. right and left movements in mm-hmm. a choreographed way. And having to remember it and pull all that together. It's like a doctor prescribed method, isn't it? Right. I mean, if you said, hey, do crosswords, but do it while you're up and moving. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, and, and you're tricking people because they want to learn the new move and they want to finish this learning this form. And these are ancient forms that passed along. And so they're interesting and fascinating. And so people are kind of, I don't say tricked, but they're drawn into the process. Right, they're not thinking about. Right, they're not thinking about. Oh, this is good for the, exactly. the neuron, the new neuron to be yes. formed. It's just like people go to the gym and they run on the treadmill. Why? Because they want to get in shape. Or, right. And that sometimes is not as effective as the thing that gets you in shape is fun, and you do it anyway. You don't care that it gets you in shape. 
And that's, right. I think, why Tai Chi works well. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I read a book about keeping your cognitive mm. um, sharpness, mm -hmm. and it involved not just doing things like crossroads puzzles, but and there was a part of it that said that you have to learn new things mm, all the time. Exactly. That if you actually do the same old thing, it doesn't have no benefit. Work, yeah. So in your classes, are people are you are they learning new? Yes. Movements. That's the secret. There'd be there's so many programs that will be at a, a, maybe a senior center, or, and and not to 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 discount any of those, but very often it's just people following somebody and right. doing the same form every day. Right. And that's, I'll almost equate that to like lip syncing something or right. the person in the front is doing Tai Chi. They're just following. Mm -hmm. But by having to learn it. And then when they finish the first form, we teach Tai Chi sword now. What's that? It's a slow moving sword form, right? Okay. So now here's a senior who, who would never dream they were going to be, why would I need a sword in my life? <laughs> right. And I'm excited. Oh, I get to learn sword. They have something over the horizon, something they're reaching for. And believe it or not, I mean, they come in, they would never dream of saying, I'm trying to reach a black belt. I have 75, I have 80-year-old students who are you're working their way towards a black sash, which is learning multiple Tai Chi forms. I don't think they ever thought they would ever be on that path, but now they're so excited to get into class. Mm -hmm. So very different than just, you know, doing something rote. You know? Right, right. It loses its benefit when it's rote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, like a, you take the same... Vitamin at first, maybe it feels great. After a while, it doesn't work as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, what about somebody who's not physically fit to start off with? You know, a senior who had maybe mm -hmm. has been sedentary for a long time. Well, when people ask me, they ask me that question every week. And I always say, if you can walk and you can stand, you can do Tai Chi. Okay. Uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of programs where even people do seated Tai Chi. And I, mm -hmm. those are fantastic we don't really have the capacity for that okay it would be an entire separate class or something like that right but i will tell a quick story if it's okay mm -hmm. we had a student come in and she came in uh, was very unsure uh, she had a walker she said can i keep my walker with me we had her sit on her walker and do the first day uh-huh within about two weeks and then she had her walker next to her about two weeks later she said i'm gonna leave my walker on the side about a month or so later, uh, no, it was more than that, maybe two months later, she actually was leaving. Her son brings her to class. She left and forgot her walker. Uh-huh. Had to come back in to get her walker. Right. Now she doesn't use a walker now. She came in, comes in with a cane. Wow. And she sometimes runs a little bit late because she catches an Uber there. Uh-huh. She's almost running in with her cane. Uh, and so her... her physical therapist when they were testing how long she could stand on one leg. So we knew exactly when she first started, it was six seconds. It's now 26 seconds. She can stand on one leg. Wow. And she's only been in the school for about six months. So this is because of the Tai Chi. It's, it's all she was doing different. And she went from feeling very disempowered mm -hmm. and disconnected. She runs in there and she's made a good community and friends with all the people that are there. And she comes twice a week, even though her son was only bringing her once. She said, I have to come twice. Uh -huh. She catches an Uber to come the second time. That's great. Uh, so I just think about how magical that is, that at this stage in her life, she yeah. has just become on fire to learn this new thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then it's great for her, too. Right, right. So you, 
so you have to be able to stand in your yes. in your class. In my class, yes, not um, all class. But you have found that even people who couldn't stand that long are now standing a Absolutely. lot longer. And they and then they all come back and report after they've been there a few months that when they go for a walk, where they have so much more confidence while they're moving, mm-hmm. their balance, how sure they feel, going from being very shaky and very frightened of falling to not feeling that way anymore. Right. So I think it, it it goes outside of our school, right? And sure. it, it certainly bleeds over into their life. Sure. And that would be the whole, that would be. That's why they're doing yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So what would you say for somebody who's younger, who's not at that point, uh, you know, being a senior? Right, right. Well, so you asked earlier what, how it might help cognitive decline. It's, it's a mindfulness exercise. Uh-huh. As you're moving, you're, you're really attempting to only focus on the feeling of that movement, and that's it. Right. And be in the moment with every millimeter of that movement. And that's extremely difficult, actually. Mm-hmm. People find this the first movement. I tell them two things that everybody feels. How can something that looks so simple be this hard? Right. Second, how can I move so slow and almost feel like I'm going to fall down? Uh-huh. <laughs> because they've never focused on it like that. So that's fantastic for a young person, too, uh, the mindfulness aspect of it. So does it have the same benefits as, like, mindfulness meditation? Yes. It would, yeah, be, it, it would be like a moving meditation. Exactly. And that's what shocked me is how so many young people are coming into interested in something that, mm-hmm. like in China, I've been to China five, six times. Every time, you, it's just the, the old people that do Tai Chi. In, in China? Yes. Mm-hmm. Young people wouldn't dream of doing Tai Chi. Right. Uh and yet they're coming in very, very fascinated and interested in it. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I took Tai Chi once a long mm-hmm. time ago when I was young. Yeah. I think it was when I was in, grad, I was in graduate oh, yeah. school. <laughs> really strange. It was very difficult, yes. like what you were saying. The, that, the, slow, the mm-hmm. slowness of it was difficult. Not physically difficult. It was mentally it was, difficult. It was mentally difficult, yes. yes. And I remember the teacher coming over to me. You know, I'm from New York. So everything's quick, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. So even more difficult for you. Yes. And he came over to me and he said, you need to be more patient. <laughs> well, well, that's you, why I'm in this class. This, you know, this relates, if I could, kind of, relates to something else that I teach. This is called Open Focus. And uh-huh. people can look that up, openfocus.com. Uh, it's, a, it's a mindfulness or attention training technique come up with by someone named uh, Dr. Les Femi in Princeton, New Jersey, came up with it in the 60s. It's, very few people know about it, but it's, it's so powerful, uh, the technique is. And I mix that with Tai Chi because I help people like you who can't slow their mind down, or you were back then, right? and understand how what attentional pattern they're in and how to switch that to the opposite attention. And immediately, I, had a, I remember years ago, I had a one night on Tuesday night, all my students came in to do Tai Chi. They were doing Tai Chi so fast. And I said, wow, you guys must have had a really bad day at work today. And they all just looked at me and kind of hung their heads down. <laughs> I put them in about five minutes of open focus technique. Now let's begin again. They move so slow, I'd need time lapse to watch them. And there's just the grins on their face. And they, you could tell they moved into the moment and nothing was going to speed them up ever again. And when people, if you just want to do Tai Chi, but you're not in the mood, you know, your mind is racing, it's it's agony. No Mm -hmm. one wants to go that slow. Right. Once you move people into the moment, everybody universally slows down and Mm -hmm. experiences it. So, so that's what you needed was open focus.
Yeah, I probably still need that. <laughs> well, I'm teaching a seminar on, on uh, Sunday that's coming okay, up. Okay, yeah. what is your seminar about on Sunday? Well, um, it is a blend of Tai Chi and Qigong, which is Chinese breathing techniques. I was just about to ask oh, you how okay. it relates to Qigong. Yeah, so, so it's going to be Tai Chi and Qigong and open focus. And open focus is the kind of the, I, the binding force that brings all this together because it is a Western technique in terms of the way I describe it, the way it's trained. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense to us. Right. And yet it unlocks these kind of Eastern modalities like this for people uh, it, because it helps move them into the moment. Mm-hmm. And then they're capable of doing what they need to do with Tai Chi. So I'm teaching it this weekend and again in October. I have a website, drjoeshafer.com, and that's where I talk about that. Because really it's for the general public. It's not for my students. Right. I mean, it can be, but I really designed it so somebody who knows nothing about Tai Chi, nothing about Qigong. In mm-hmm. three hours, they learn the operating system on their nervous system. How does it work? How can I change my state? Let me check to see if that's a question coming through. Okay. Um, all right. Here's a question. How can you tell if you are with a good teacher? <laughs> that's, a, that's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a feeling. In yeah. Tai Chi, when I tell everybody if it feels wrong, it probably is wrong. Yeah. You know, if you're okay. moving and you feel like you're going to fall down, or you, it's probably wrong. And it's the same thing. If a person is coming at it from from the right space, in Tai Chi, it's not about the precision of this finger's at this degree and this thumb is at that degree. You can have all those details down and not be doing Tai Chi. Okay. Tai Chi is about being in the moment, being mm-hmm. present, mm-hmm. Uh, your entire body in the space around you. And if you're concentrating on all these other details, uh, you're missing the forest for the trees. Right. So uh, you you might be learning some movements, but I don't think you're going to come out of it getting what you wanted to get. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So I would keep an eye out for that. You know, is there a deeper aspect to the practice that you're learning? Is someone, if someone talking about breathing, is someone talking about energy, is someone talking about posture and things like that? And then when you do the things that they ask you, do you feel different? Do you feel better? Right. Really? Or is it just learning a movement? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, I checked off all my to-dos. I got this movement right, and now I'm a Tai Chi person. Um, right. It just doesn't last because people don't – we're so busy in our lives. If it doesn't reward us and make us feel better on a daily basis, we won't do it. Mm-hmm. So when you say on a daily basis, so are you encouraging people well. to practice <laughs> what they learn in the class mm-hmm. outside? Uh, absolutely, yes. Okay. Uh, and that's the ultimate goal. Is mm-hmm. That's why they learn it. Okay. Not just to do it in the class, but they learn it so they can do it at home. And I, there's another story uh, of, a, of a woman in our class and really bad back problems, knee problems. The other day she shows, called the whole class to attention as she squatted all the way down, bent over and touched the floor with her fingers, with wow. her knees bent way down. And uh, we said, she goes, well, I practice every day. And I do my Qigong every day. Uh-huh. And when I told her about the 150-minute study, she was like, okay, I've got 150 minutes a week I've got to do. You know, she went at it like she's taking, a, a, you know, taking medicine or something. She's, mm-hmm. she's healing herself with that. Uh, but, yeah, you just can't learn, see it or do it a few times. You, you really need to do you it. You really need to practice. Well, daily would be fantastic. But right. two, three times a week would be good enough. Right. It's just like mindfulness meditation, right? It's not really... 
it doesn't really yeah. do much if you just correct if you just do it every now and then again like vitamin right take a yeah. couple of vitamins a week yeah it doesn't no, nothing's gonna not happen, gonna happen. Yeah. so how many older people or seniors or mm -hmm. oh we we probably have i have a program in Pflugerville where i mm -hmm. live and i have one in central austin we have one in south austin so probably between all three programs, we have maybe 75 to 100 seniors doing it. Oh, that's great. How many classes do you oh, That's probably across maybe 10 classes. Uh-huh. And, and that's uh, just strictly seniors just, classes? Just seniors, yeah. Okay. And, and what are some of the other classes that you have? Well, we teach uh, adult, general adult Tai Chi class, so it would be any, any age. Mm-hmm. And we, of course, we have an entire kids program. So I have... There's probably 200 kids. And that's school. for the Kung Fu? Yeah, that's for the Kung Fu. Yeah. Parents say, I want my kid to take Tai Chi. It's like, it's, no. never, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. um, but then we teach adult Kung Fu. And uh, that's, you know, again, some people come in and they, they say they want Tai Chi and, and they're, they're young. Very often, I think they think Tai Chi is cool looking or I, I oftentimes say, let's go over Kung Fu for a while. Let's get you to Tai Chi maybe in a year or two because they feel so much more accomplished so fast in Kung Fu. You know, your kick's better at the end of the day today than you were when you walked in, right? Right. So, tai Chi's slow moving and difficult, as you found out. So very often, their patience, everything, you need them to go into the Kung Fu side first. Right. So. Yeah, I can't see children, actually. No, children, yeah. Moving so slow. Not going to work. <laughs> very rare, a rare child would come in and actually do Tai Chi. Now, my wife does programs where she goes out to schools, uh, elementaries, and teaches uh, a little bit of Tai Chi and some mindfulness and breathing uh -huh. Uh -huh. because she really wanted to make a difference in, you know, the violence in, right. our, in, our, in our culture and yeah. starting early, giving them strategies to deal with their emotion, deal with their, their mm -hmm. anxiety uh, before it gets out of control. And so uh, it's not that you, you just put this very short. You can only work with them maybe five to ten minutes on that uh, right. and give them some strategies in that time. Right. And then mix with. Like mindfulness, yeah, right, yeah. mindfulness meditation. Maybe do a couple of kicks, do some kung fu right. too. Right. No, actually, I have read um, some studies about children who um, have mindfulness in their school. Mm. Um, there's less violence in the school. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. They're actually now looking to, instead of putting kids in detention for acting oh, out, yes. putting them in mindfulness meditation. So taking away their recess, yeah. Yeah, right. Was what you know, just compounds the matter, the problem. Right. right. My son had attention issues, mm -hmm. and it was just the 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 normal system, the normal flow, just grinds those poor poor kids yeah. under under it because uh, it's a it's an on it's a constant attack on their self esteem. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, so something like that would be great. So do you find that um, the kids who come for, moving it over to kids, so the mm -hmm. kids who come for the Kung Fu, um, that it helps them with attention? Of, you know, these days I've heard so many kids with attention mm -hmm. deficit I disorder. I mean, it's like the thing. Yeah. Maybe it just went well, undiagnosed when we were It did. Kids. I mean, me personally, yeah. I'm reading about those symptoms one day, and I realized, oh, no. <laughs> and I, when I went to learn open focus, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Femi, before he'll certify me as a trainer, he, I have to go through an extensive training with him first. And I remember the moment when he said, I want to test you for ADD. And I thought, okay. what? It's the first time in my life, I was in my 30s, and I thought, you know, that I felt broken. What mm -hmm. do you mean? 
And then <laughs> so many things then suddenly made sense in my life. But yeah, we weren't labeled back then. Right. Um, and so martial arts, the discipline, and when I actually tested on, did the test for him, he came in when I was done and he said, he asked me what my IQ was. He said, because you actually, and then I told him, he said, well, you scored 40 points below your IQ on reaction speed. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, from talking to you, I can tell you, actually, you've probably made up for half of that through discipline. Wow. The discipline of martial arts has helped you compensate for that. So that's what the kids are finding is they can get leverage on themselves. They can get the focus when they need it and apply it. Because uh-huh. I, like I tell my son, I said, this, son, this is a superpower. I can right. make connections and associations faster than anybody around me. But I also have some kryptonite in my right. life, you know. I have to have that tile thing so I can find my keys because I know right. you know, I remember everything, but I don't remember where the keys are. Right. So, yeah. So you have to you have to learn how to harness the yes, superpower. That's right. that's right. Right. Yeah, I got strengths and weaknesses. I can go towards one and away from the other. Right. And so the Kung Fu or any martial art can really help yeah, definitely. with that. At one point, the parent said, I, I said, why do I have so many children in here? have ADD. He said, don't you realize doctors tell parents with kids with ADD to take them to martial arts? Okay. I said, ah, that's, that's, the, that's why there's so many that's in here. <laughs> okay, so you have very... Yeah, I have a pretty extensive experience yes. with that. And I have a lot of deep empathy for them. Right. And so I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if people are interested in, in learning about... Um, your school and taking mm-hmm. classes, what classes you have, as well as all the seminars that yes. you teach. Um, how can they do that? Well, if they're just looking for the classes, austinkungfu.com okay. is uh, easy to remember. Um, it has both Kung Fu and Tai Chi in it, but we just went with the one shorter address. And then, yeah, for the seminars and kind of things they offer out speaking-wise, uh, addressing groups, what have you, that's drjoeshafer.com. So, Dr. Joe okay. Schaefer, Schaefer spelled S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R dot com. Okay. Where are you teaching that seminar? I'm teaching it in my school because it's free. Okay. And, <laughs> and where's, nice big the, space. where's the school? It's at um, North Austin. It's 2136 Rutland Drive. Mm-hmm. So just south of Breaker Lane near Metric on Rutland. Okay. It's a nice big space. And uh, uh, again, I've, I've set it up so just I, what I really wanted was my students who have family members, who have friends, maybe they don't have time to come take Tai Chi, but uh-huh. they still want to gain some impact from that. They still they want something better for themselves. This would kind of launch them on a new path, give them some information, some, some tactics to use in their life. So right. it really is for a complete beginner and a non-martial, it's nothing to do with martial arts. Okay. And what what time is that? Uh, four to seven thirty. It's three okay. and a half hours. And that's next Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we do two sessions of open focus, some Tai Chi, some Qigong. We do some a lecture a little bit because that's the PhD in me. <laughs> right. But uh, I'll explain to them how again they're kind of learning to hack their nervous system, their autonomic nervous system, and learning how to upregulate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is for our Rest and digest, right? And uh-huh. and learning how to downregulate the fight or flight response, and to kind of regulate that using their attention. And even people who have trouble sleeping, after I teach them open focus, they come back later and say, "I don't have insomnia anymore." 
Wow. I, I, I use open focus for less than a couple minutes and I, next thing I wake up in the morning. So, you know, it, it's like having a control panel and some knobs on a nervous system that we didn't know we had. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I'm going to post that on oh, my website, post about the show later Fantastic. tonight. So if people didn't have their pen and paper ready, yeah. they can just go to my website, yeah. com later this evening, awesome. and it'll all be there. And they can even just click on it. And I want to check out some of your classes. Well, I would love to have you. Yeah, that would be great. You're Maybe not too busy back and forth to L.A., right? No, that, that, that's done. That's done. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. That was just a quick trip. Yeah, and Art said he's interested, so I'll get you guys to come. Yeah, uh, maybe the Pflugerville. Yeah, oh, you live up north there? Live up in that area. Yeah, yeah. we're doing it right downtown Pflugerville. Just, we just started it, and we're in the, actually, I just ran into the Lions Club building for now. Uh-huh. And so we build it up, and then we go to a full-time location. Right. And so we're just once a week right now, but we had a huge response. I, within the first month, we had 30 people sign up. That's great. So, yeah. Great. Well, I'm, this is very interesting, and, I, and I'm glad that you came and talked about this oh, thank you. from a different perspective than mm. we typically hear about Tai Chi. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting, and I hope to see you again. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we have lots more to come. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Comes a time when you're all alone Comes a time, gotta write that song May not make any sense at all But it's up to you, keep a smile on your face Now I've been young mostly every day Just like you, don't you ever change Cause this world's getting pretty old And it's up to you, keep a smile on your face Butterflies down Butterflies down Butterflies down Now don't forget who wrote you this song Cause there'll be times you'll feel all alone in this world So Greg, don't forget this song is for Sarah, Renee, and you Don't forget this song is for Sarah, Renee, and you. 
Now it's time that I gotta go Don't you cry, don't you shed a tear Just remember I'll always be near I'll be in your dreams and when you go and chase butterflies now Butterflies now Butterflies now I'll be in your dreams and when you go and chase butterflies Butterflies now Say goodbye now Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And that was very interesting. And so I hope that you will pursue Tai Chi wherever you live. And if you're here in Austin, check out Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi. And, um, and now before I talk about the topic that I had schedule to talk about, which is um, the creation, compassion, and living the passionate life. And then we go on to the artist, Teresa Taylor Bayard. Let me just fill you in on some news. As I mentioned, Art and I just came back from L.A., and um, I'll be I'll be announcing some different things that we might do with the show based on, on some of the meetings that we had out there. Um, it was a great time out there, and I learned a lot. That was the best part of it was that I learned a lot while I was there. And so um, I hope to share some of that with you. And um, also, um, again, I want to mention that you can hear the interview that um, Carrie Hummingbird did of me about my book, The Passionate Life, and, and about my journey. And that was uh, both visual and auditory. So uh, that was for her show, The Soul Nectar Show, and she did that interview in August, and it is now available to watch and or to listen. So you can do either one. You can watch and listen to it, or you can just listen to it on iTunes. And there are several different venues that you can watch or listen to it on. And those are listed on my website. There are links to that interview on my website. If you go to drmaricarpel.com and if you click on uh, public speaking or even if you click on the radio um, link, that link will be there and you'll be able to see all of the different ways, whether you do it on your computer or listen on your phone. And also you can watch it and or listen to it by going directly to her Facebook page, Carrie Hummingbird's Facebook page for her show, which is the Soul Nectar Show. Um, I have a few more um, 
interviews coming up, and they're in the works, so I will announce them when I have dates and times that, that you can listen and places where you can listen to it. I have a keynote coming up at the Unity Church in Brownsville on October 20th, and some more of those coming up as well, and I'll let you know about that. And I have a blog coming out this week on Arianna Huffington's Thrive Global Com. It's been a while since I've posted. The summer has been extremely busy, um, but I have several blogs that have been worked on during the summer, and so the first one is going to come out this week, and that will be posted both on thriveglobal.com and also on my website. You can get it on my website, drmaricarpel.com, and if you follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpel, Your Golden Years, then you'll know exactly when that post, when that blog post launches, then you'll be able to click on it straight from there. Okay. So now I wanted to talk a little bit about this topic, and I've been sort of working on it in my mind for a while, all summer, and it sort of came together when I was in L.A., and we spent some time with um, – longtime friend of arts and a new friend for me who is a very brilliant scientist. And one of the things that she said to me that really struck a chord for me was that it's all about creation rather than destruction. And when she said that to me, I realized that that's what living a passionate life is about. Whatever it is that you're creating and you're doing it in a in a positive way without destroying anything for other people in the process then then that's living a truly passionate life and creating could be the obvious things like using creativity um drawing painting singing playing an instrument dancing writing um having a radio show, going on television, being an actor, all those things that we think of with creativity. Um, But creating can also be creating bridges between people, getting involved in helping other people in some way. Um, as, As Dr. Joe was talking about, you know, teaching uh, something beneficial that can help people with their health and their um, longevity, so teaching martial arts, um, getting involved with creating an environment that is healthful for people. So um, working with older people, for example, and creating a, a safe place for them to live, working in a a facility that helps older people in a very kind and compassionate way. Um, All of these are about creation, helping people with their health, creating good health, um, learning um, to eat healthy, to um, do things that that are natural, that help their body and their mind. All of these are about creation um, rather than doing something that hurts people or 
spending time and energy destroying the bridges between people. So, you know, uh, when people are, are saying to me, when I, I come across people who tell me that they just don't know what their passion is, my, my gut reaction is just go and do things and do things that feel good and that you enjoy. Just try things, try helping other people, and you'll find your passion. Do something, create, cre- not just creative in the, uh, tra- the way that we tend to think of creativity, but do something that creates joy in the world, that brings light into the world, that brings light into your life, that brings light to those around you and maybe people far away, that, that creates more joy and health, health for the planet, all of that. Um, is about creation, and and all of that leads to living a passionate life. So um, when people get involved in doing things that they really love to do, it's wonderful. But when it's very focused with a tunnel vision of I'm just going to do this and not think about um, how it's helping other people or I'm doing this just for me, then after a while that I, I believe, this is my theory, that it's not sustainable because when we are on the path of life and even when we are on a passionate path, doing the things that we love to do, it is inevitable, it is part of life that we are going to hit a wall, we're going to hit a rough patch, we're going to have some suffering in our life. It's just part of life. And the, the Buddha talked about the four sufferings of life, birth, um, illness, old age, and death. Um, we're going to lose people along the way who we love. We're going to um, have grief. We're going to have illness. We're going to have hard times. There are things going on in the world that are going to affect us no matter how much we try to stay in our own cocoon. And if we're not um, following our path of passion with the idea of creating joy along the way for other people as well as ourselves, then when we hit those rough patches, it's going to be hard to stay on the path and find a way through, find a way through that darkness. So there are days, if you're a writer, there are days where you just do not feel like writing. You're having such a difficult time getting out of bed for whatever reason, you know, something difficult is going on in your life. But when you have been writing with the idea that this is in some way helping other people, even if it's fiction, that it's bringing joy to other people, that, they're, that people are getting something out of their book, um, that, you're, that you've, the books that you've been writing or the paintings that you've been creating, that it brings joy to other people, then when it's difficult for you to follow that path for yourself, because you're having such a hard time, then that motivation of doing it for other people 
will be what gets you out of bed in the morning. That purpose, that meaning of what you're doing will get you out of bed in the morning. Um, I know that there's a, you know, a lot of, there's a spiritual focus that some people have where um, they believe that you can, that you shouldn't look at any kind of suffering, that you shouldn't think about any sort of suffering because you'll just create more of it and just focus on the positive and the sunny side of the street kind of thing. But the reality is that when you do that, you're going to create more suffering. We have to be open to our own suffering and the suffering of other people in order for us to be able to accept it and and allow it to be part of who we are and on a path and to feel true joy. So, you know, when I work with um, people, veterans who have PTSD, for example, a lot of them will tell me that they feel emotionally numb. That's part of PTSD sometimes, the emotional numbness, not being able to feel joyfulness in their lives. And the reason for that is that the brain kind of protects us for the intensity of the suffering by shutting down emotion. And our brain is not capable of picking and choosing that. We're just going to shut down the suffering, but we're going to feel the good feeling. So on a less extreme level, if we decide that we don't want to pay attention to pain, um, we're just not going to pay attention to it at all, then the intensity of our joy is not going to be there. The intensity of our passion is also going to be numb. We really can't have one without the other, just like we can't have light without darkness. It's all... um, it's all part of the same picture. So, and I think that there is sort of a narcissistic quality to that. When we get into our own world and we just, that's all we're doing is focusing on our own joy. Um, I think that we need to take breaks and do the, take breaks from the suffering of the world and, and do that. Maybe spend some time, you know, focusing on what we really, really love to do, get out in nature. You know, we talk about that all the time, getting out in nature and meditating, doing Tai Chi, as Dr. Joe was talking about, doing things that bring us joy. That brings us to our center. That gives us the energy. That gives us the um, enthusiasm to then be able to go out into the world and bring light into the world. But if that's all we're doing, it's all about us 24-7, then we sort of lose our meaning and our purpose in the world. And as I mentioned, that joy, that passion is not going to be sustainable. We are social creatures. We need to be able to reach out to other people, and we need to bear witness to the pain of other people and, and be part of the solution, be part of 
creating uh, relief rather than ignoring it. Because the other part of this, the other part of this, is that when we ignore the pain of ourselves or we ignore the pain of other people, we're complicit in increasing that pain. We are part of that pain. If we don't do something, if even just bearing witness fully and taking the compassion of action of letting people know, I understand your pain, that's pretty powerful in and of itself, letting people know I hear you and I understand your pain. But then that also motivates us to actually do something, to take compassionate action, even for people that are not in our own little network or our own little tribe, for people who are different than us, who are from different parts of the world. Um, It motivates us to take compassionate action. And, you know, as if you've been listening to this program for a while, then you know that very often I've had guests on the program who are doing, um, who are taking compassionate action frequently. So I've had guests who are helping the migrants at the border quite a bit. Um, Team Brownsville has been on. I've had Sisters of Charity of New York who are also involved in helping um, the migrants who are asylum seekers helping to stop human trafficking, helping to stop homelessness. Um, and, you, and while it may be painful to fully um, allow ourselves to be aware of the suffering of people in those situations and to see it daily, like the Team Brownsville who, uh, members who go across the bridge every day to help the Asylum seekers who are waiting in Mexico, it may, they may cry about it. I've seen them cry in person when I've gone to the border. But they have also told me that they feel so passionate about what they are doing, that it has changed their life, their lives in very positive ways. So ignoring passion, ignoring suffering does not bring more joy. It actually stunts us from feeling um, more passion. Um, So, you know, yes, please paint and sing or dance or pursue your interests and bring your wonderful gifts into the world. Absolutely. I, I love that. I, I, um, Encourage people to do that all the time. But in the process of doing that, um, think about how your gift can be utilized to create even more than that one particular thing that you're doing, that, that you're painting. How can it help other people? How can it bring joy into the world? And how can you even use some of that enthusiasm from painting or drawing to go out and help other people and create joy in the world because then your passion will be really unending. It will be infinite. 
Um, I really believe that we are capable of infinite love and compassion and passion. And when we allow that flow to happen, we create that. We create more passion. We create more joy. And it becomes like a feedback loop. We create joy. We bring joyfulness to other people, and it brings us joyfulness. I mean, I've talked about the benefits many times on this program, and I've written about it. I wrote about it in my book, The Benefits of Kindness and Generosity. I mean, there have been numerous studies to show that um, kind actions, um, volunteering to help other people can actually increase our joyfulness by increasing serotonin in our brain, which is the key neurotransmitter that's responsible for improving our mood and also giving us more energy and helping us sleep better and giving us better um, sharpness in our thinking and our cognitive abilities and even better digestion and health. And studies have shown that um, committing random acts of kindness um, can increase our level of happiness um, by 41%. (laughs) There was a study in Harvard that found that people who commit five random acts of kindness per week over a six-week period um, had an increase of 41.66% in their level of happiness. And another study at Harvard, um, researchers found that people who volunteered time or money were found to be 42% more likely to rate themselves as being happy. And, you know, depression and anxiety and stress um, often involves focusing on ourselves. Um, uh, people become very self-focused and even selfish and narcissistic when they are depressed. And when we help other people, we literally shift our thinking to others. And this shift to help another person when we're feeling depressed is actually like taking antidepressant medication. It's the quickest way to bring us out of our own depression is by helping another person and, you know, genuinely helping them to feel better or helping other people. And it can help us to have a higher level of self-esteem and it gives our life a greater sense of purpose and, and purpose and meaning is what we all search for in life. It's wonderful to have these great gifts, these talents that we can contribute to the world, but when we can see it in terms of how we're helping other people with those talents or in addition to those talents, volunteering in addition to doing, you know, painting or volunteering to... Um, use our paintings to raise money, to to donate them, to raise money for a good cause, or um, playing music as a benefit 
to help other people. All of these things actually give our life more purpose and meaning, which is what we all really want. That's, that's, if you go to the core of what keeps us from feeling depressed and what keeps us following um, a joyful, passionate life, it's because we feel like we have a purpose and we have meaning. Um, and there was a study at the University of Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, some people would call it, and it's called the Science of Generosity Initiative. And in this study, it was several studies, they found that people who demonstrate more generosity tend to have a greater feeling of purpose and meaning in their lives and to feel emotionally happier and physically healthier. And, of course, the great psychiatrist, Dr. Viktor Frankl, who wrote his book, Man's Search for Meaning, based on his experience of being a prisoner of two concentration camps during the Holocaust, um, he learned from his experience as a prisoner of these concentration camps that the people who were the most resilient in this intensely horrific situation were those people who found, those prisoners who found meaning by helping their fellow prisoners, by giving of themselves, even if all they had to give was a crumb of their food. And what he, he wrote we must never forget that we may also find meaning in life even when confronted with a hopeless situation, when facing a fate that cannot be changed. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And his whole way of doing psychotherapy after that, when he was... Um, liberated from concentration camp, he went back to his practice as a psychotherapist, as a psychiatrist, and it all changed. And it was his whole treatment was about helping his patients to find meaning in their lives because, um, as he wrote in his book, if we find a way to give meaning to our own circumstances by helping others, we can prevent deep despair in ourselves. And we, can, and we can be part of the solution when faced with even the hardest of challenges. So, you know, remember that finding your passion is not about ignoring pain or suffering. And, in fact, it's the pain and suffering that can be what causes us to find our passion, what opens us up, what opens our heart to uh, be more compassionate and to be more passionate. Um, there's a famous line in, the Leonard, in a Leonard Cohen song, um, there is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So, you know, we grow the most when we're awake and intensely mindful of the cracks and everything. And when we're open to allowing the light that flows through those cracks to guide our way. So, you know, again, 
it's about creation and creating creating joy without destroying. So whatever it is, if we're following our path and we're creating, but we're not harming other people and we're actually helping other people, then we're going to find our passion. We're going to find our purpose. We're going to find meaning in our life. And and it will be more sustainable. And I and I wrote I gave this quote last week, and I'm going to repeat it because it's so beautiful. Um, the Dalai Lama wrote this, said this: "We are visitors on this planet. We are here for 90, 100 years at most. During that period, we must try to do something good, something useful in our with our lives." Try to be at peace with yourself and help others to share that peace. If you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find the true goal, the true meaning of life. And and I this is my quote. If you run from, ignore, or justify the pain of others, you will never achieve the passion and joy that you seek. So that's the other side of the coin. Um, Let's not run away from the pain of others. Let's not run away from our own pain. Let's, Let's put a light on it. Let's shed a light on it so it loses its power. And let's see how we can be part of the solution and create joy and light in the world. And then we can have more meaning. We can have more joy. We can have more passion, better health, vitality, and more peace. Um, And I know we have a couple of minutes left, so I'll give a couple more quotes. And Elie Wiesel, another Holocaust survivor, um, stated, human suffering anywhere concerns men and women everywhere. And Joseph Goldstein, the meditation teacher, the willingness to come close to come close to suffering opens us to compassionate action. Opening to suffering is the doorway to compassion. Are we open to the suffering of all the people in the world? Are we even open to the suffering in our own bodies and minds? Um, Okay, so on that note, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Austin artist Teresa Taylor Bayer, um, talking about the beautiful artwork that she creates. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. 
Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmericarpell.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years on Blog Talk Radio and on live stream and podcast at drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us from right here in Austin, Texas, we have artist Teresa Taylor Bayer with us this evening. Good evening, Teresa. Hi, Mara. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just, you know, <laughs> just having a good old time here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this evening. Um, really, you know, I, I I have enjoyed looking at your artwork on your website, and um, I'm glad that, that you've had made some time to be able to speak to us about it. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, thank you for the interview. So, so why don't we start off with maybe you can um, talk a little bit about your background um, as an artist, um, you know, so we know who you are. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, I grew up um, a military brat. My dad was in the Navy, and we traveled, and... Um, one of the places he was stationed was Japan, and I remember um, they took us all around. Our, our parents would take us all around to different places, so I got to see the Kamakura Buddha and the Nikko Shrines and um, just Japanese art in, in general, and it, it it just deeply impressed me. It was really beautiful. And... Um, we also lived in other places like Guam and San Francisco, and and uh, I think travels had a big effect on my mind and my art. Mhm, mhm. So when did you start painting? Oh well, that's 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 hard to define because I, yeah. um, I uh, have been painting all along, but but I've only just really focused on it in the last 10 years. Uh-huh. But, okay. But the whole time I've been an artist, I, I, I've I been an artist for, for many, many years, and I've, I've done a lot of different things. And um, I used to do ceramics and do the art fairs, and I've also done caricatures for parties and, and things events, corporate events, and I've done that for 27 years and I'm kind of winding up on that part and I'm getting more and more into painting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also used to do illustration and um, what else did I do? Oh, cute watercolors. So painting has kind of been in there. It's just kind of just more in the background for a while and then then I really started focusing on it. Mhm. Mhm. So, you know, since we're on the radio and and people might not be able to see your paintings right away on the computer, um how would you describe your your artwork, your paintings? 
Uh, well, I do two things. I do um, something that's called magic realism, and, and that's a movement that's sort of akin to surrealism, but it's, um, I don't know how to describe the difference of it, um, but it's it's basically imaginative type art, and, and it, it's um, magic realism. Um, the figure plays a, a key role in it. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not really good at describing the um, academic art terms. You know, I I tend okay. to not be very academic with my art. Um, so I'm I'm not really. Um, you know, if you were to say describe mag- magical realism, I would simply say Google it and look at the images, and you you'd probably get a <laughs> um, you know pictures worth a thousand words kind of um, view of it. And I do that, and I also do fun art. And um, fun art is art that's humorous and and lighthearted and um, not so terribly serious. And I really enjoy doing that. And I wrote something called the Fun Art Manifesto. And um, I um, was describing how... Fun art, it, it can be um, figurative or it can be um, animals or it can be just any genre, but it, it, it's humorous and lighthearted, and um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of that. Okay. So what would one one um, directive be on your manifesto? <laughs> uh, just have fun. <laughs> Okay, there you go. That sounds great. To be honest with you, I didn't think about looking it up. That's probably the first thing I should have done. But but, um, you can go to my website, tbartsgallery.com, and find it and and, uh, read it. Gosh, it didn't even occur to me. You know, I um, Uh wrote it so long ago, I didn't think about it. I guess, you know, and that's part of it, you know, it's, it's like, I don't think fun art is where you take yourself too seriously, you know, it's it's not a ponderous kind of thing, you you do it, you have fun with it, and um, you can get really good at it, but it's still just fun. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so where are you showing your work these days? Um are they are, are your is your artwork in galleries or is it mainly online? I've got two of them in a show that's coming up, um, Round Rock Arts Fall Show, um, at the University in Round Rock, the Avery Building, um, over on University Avenue. Um, uh-huh. It has two of my paintings in their fall show, and other than that, I. You know, I kind of used to do a lot of shows, and I'm turning 70. I used to do a lot of those art fairs and things, and I just don't do very many of those anymore. I, I was doing uh West Austin Studio Tour for a while, and I'm considering whether I want to do it again, and it's simply because it's a young person's game. It takes a lot of energy to do those shows, a lot more mm-hmm. than, you know, not more... A lot more than I realized at the time I was doing um I mean, even just 20 years ago, you know, like when you're in your 50s, even then right. you have a lot more energy. Like I, I used to have this little folding table, and 
I could just get that old folding table and pull it out of my car and walk it all the way from the parking lot, you know, all the way up the <laughs> stairs to the old municipal convention hall, you know, place down on um, Barton Springs Road. I could walk that thing up there and just sling that table around. I can barely lift it now. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. It's, it's just like those shows take an incredible amount of energy. So I've, I like to be online instead. So um, I've started in on eBay, and I really like it there. It's, you know, I'm finding a little niche for myself there. Okay. So, um, so do you have a lot of I've your artwork? Been... Oh, go on, go on. Oh, I've been entering shows every now and then, you know, like Austin Visual Arts Association. I've I've entered their shows and the Round Rock Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've entered their shows and I've entered the ones in Georgetown, the Imagine show. I had some work in that one. So I'm kind of doing the rounds for the local shows, but... but uh, Art fairs, I'm giving serious thought to retiring from those. Like I said, it's, it's, that's a, I just don't, I don't have the physical stamina to do those anymore. They they take right. a lot of energy. So do you have a lot of your work on eBay? Um, Not at the present, no. I, I don't have anything there <laughs> right now. I, I might put a couple more things up, but, but I had some, um, obligations coming up and and with when you when you put your stuff online if you have any obligations you want to be able to make sure that nobody's going to buy it at a time where you can't process it and ship it you know mm, so mm-hmm. so you so so whenever you um do stuff that takes you away from your work you know for any reason you you kind of have to shut it down for a little bit and then you get back to it. So um, right, I might put a couple more things on eBay in, in the next couple of days, but I've got to time things just right because I've got some stuff coming up and that that'll take me away from my art. So you know, life will intervene. You know, interfere. I mean, sure. <laughs> you know, sure. So, um, so. on your website. Um, can people see all of your artwork, and, and can they purchase straight from your website? I I have two websites. I've got tbartsgallery.com, and then I have tbarts.com. And um, tbarts.com is, is the one I use more. Um, but I just mentioned the other one, tbartsgallery.com, because that has the Fun Art Manifesto on it, but... I okay. don't know if I'll be keeping that one. Um, I'm kind of shifting what I'm doing with it. You know, like every few years, if you're an artist, you tend to shift things around a little bit. At, at least I have. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've reinvented myself as an artist many times, and and I seem right. to be kind of in that mode right now. You know, and and uh, so I'm I'm. Um, doing things a little differently and I thought well also I want to just streamline and simplify things um, I'm getting a little bit older and I'm looking at things like looking at my studio and going do I really need this? No, okay, I gave that away you know <laughs> it's, it seems to be like when you get older you kind of want to simplify things and you want to um, oh, I I don't want to leave a huge house full of stuff for you know, pe- behind for people to have to deal with, you know, like mm-hmm. what am 
what are they going to do with all that stuff? Because I've had that experience, and and um, while I am very grateful for what I've inherited, I still would like to streamline and simplify ahead of time. You know, everything. Right. I guess I'm I'm looking at life from from um, a different perspective now, and I'm right. I'm just trying to simplify and and um, like streamline everything. So. So if listeners are interested in seeing most of your artwork or even maybe purchasing some of it and finding out where you're doing some of the upcoming shows, is tbarts.com the best place that they can um, go to do yeah. that? Yeah, tbarts.com. So okay. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, um Upcoming shows, I usually just kind of depend on social media to announce those. So, like, I will announce them on Facebook or Instagram. I'm trying to get more done on Instagram. I, I've kind of had a slow start on it, but but I've noticed a lot of so people what, use it. What's your name on Instagram? T Bart's Gallery. Okay. And, and then, um, Facebook? Um. I think it's T Bart's Artist is my page. Okay. Okay. It has T Bart's in it. I I I can't remember it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well I'll look for it so that I can post it on my website later tonight. So that if people are interested in seeing your artwork and finding out where you're going to be showing some of it in person or Maybe purchasing some of your paintings because they're beautiful. I just want to let oh, listeners well, know you. that I, yeah, they're really, um, I really love them. So, you know, I I recommend people take a look. So I'm gonna post oh, those okay. links. Okay, I'm gonna post okay, them on my, my on my website. Okay, my eBay name is T Bart's Artist, and you know they can. Look that up too, and see when I do okay. have stuff on eBay. This is just kind of a time where I I seem to have to be, you know, um, having to. Um, this I had something just come up, and I'm going, oh, okay, I have to change. You know, I have to kind of, um, you know, not not do business very much right now, and then and later on right. get back into it. You know, um, so okay, it was okay. Just, the timing was kind of did that for me and it, it kind right. of distracted me. Well, meanwhile, people could take a look at your at your page and see your beautiful artwork. So Yeah, I really appreciate your posting the links cuz I noticed you're on Facebook. Yeah, you know. That's yeah, you found me and and yeah, yes. I'll post a link there and and I'll tell you what I'll I'll post a link to your um to your radio show um What's, what's the name of it Thank on Facebook? You. Well, you'll, uh, I'll send you the link for this evening's program. And, um, oh, okay. And then I'll put that and on then Facebook. You could, yeah, yeah. Because later this evening I'm going to update everything and add in the links um, to the website so people can take a look, and then I'll send it to you. So then you can you can pass it along. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. 
Well, thank you so much, Teresa, for coming on the program and oh, thank you talking for a little me. bit about your own. Yeah, and um, and you have a good evening, and I hope to see you, you know, getting back to to uh, showing your artwork. Oh yeah, I'll definitely get back to you know when when everything is done. Okay, well, thank right. you, and have a wonderful evening. Thanks. Bye. All right. Okay, you too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So we've come to the end of another show. And before Art cuts us off the line, let me let you know what's happening next week. Next Sunday, September 22nd, we'll be back with another show live from right here in Austin, Texas. And we'll be joined by licensed acupuncturist Eva Lou. And she'll be talking about the benefits of faith yoga. Faith yoga. If you've never heard of it, it's a great um, way to achieve smoother skin and also, believe it or not, get emotional relief. Um, And she's going to talk about how emotions are imprinted on our face. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we'll also be joined once again by Austin jazz musician Sharon Bourbonnet. And um, we'll be playing some of her new music. And more. We always have more on the program, so stay tuned for that. Join in. Join the show next Sunday. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show and learn about previous shows, listen to previous shows, get the website links that we talked about, read my blogs, um, watch videos. We, we, By the way, we videotaped that interview earlier with Dr. Joe Schaefer about um, Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi, and that will be on YouTube, but it will also be posted on my website. So go to my website, one-stop shop, drmarakarpel.com, B-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com, and also be sure to follow me on Facebook for upcoming um, shows and news, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. And you can listen to this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blogtalkradio.com, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash Your Golden Years. This evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald Devere, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, Dr. Joe Schaefer of Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi, and artist Teresa Taylor Bayer. And of course, thank you to Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. Et toi?
Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 